And we were so excited to get those because we thought we were out of last year's cups. However, we might have found a couple of boxes. So we're doing a red-hot sale on these. If you would like some of these, they're in these boxes up here. There's two boxes. And you should go home and throw all your other cups away and just take like 10 of these home and have all the same. They would match. So really, though, if you want one, they're right here, okay, in these two boxes. Uh, I know you got to get them out yourself, but take them to take them to school with you, you know, and as you're sitting there eating lunch and drinking your coffee, do, yeah, do they let you guys have coffee in the public school? Yeah? Not in brush? Oh, you should talk them into, like, putting up a Keurig in the history classroom or, you know, the teachers do. Oh, that's discrimination. All right. <clears throat> All right. So another question. Um, we're, we'll be in Psalm 1 tonight, so you can turn there if you'd like. Finished up Ephesians, giving thought to what to do next, and I thought, you know what, I'll throw it out to you guys, and uh, is there a a certain book that maybe you haven't heard anybody preach through that you would be interested in me going through on a Wednesday night, or is there a subject, a topic that maybe you've given thought to that you would like for me to address? Um, uh, I don't know. Anybody have any thoughts on that? I know we got a lot of adults upstairs, but anyone have anything like that? <clears throat> Another thought I had, I did this several years ago. Maybe I'll just do that. I, I really hate to put you on the spot and make you think too much on a Wednesday night, you know? So I know it's difficult. <clears throat> and don't ask for me to preach through Leviticus, okay? <laughs> <laughs> What I did, did you say something smart up there too? Hmm? Yeah, so, oh, Song of Solomon. You're funny. Hmm? <clears throat> uh, something else I thought about doing, and maybe that's what we'll do, uh, I did it several years ago, is um, write on a piece of paper your favorite psalm, and I'll preach through those psalms. And so the ones that you guys pick, I'll uh, preach through those for a while, too. So maybe we'll do that. I do love the Psalms, and I haven't preached every Psalm, but I have preached uh, several of them, and I find Psalm 1 to be very instructive. So if if you guys would do that, if you think of something that you'd really like, you can shoot me a text, you can call me, you can write it on a piece of paper, give it to me. Uh, if there's a certain book that you would be interested in or uh, a certain topic that you would be interested in, uh, write it down, let me know. And also uh, on that too, pick a, pick a favorite psalm that you like and uh, we'll look at that too. So <clears throat> anyway, so there's some thoughts of things that we could do on a Wednesday night and uh, want to be a help. Uh, I'm also excited about... Um, I'm probably not starting it this Sunday. Uh, I want to <clears throat> promote it a little bit more, but I'm starting a series titled Confused. 
and we're, we're going to deal with several of the aspects of what's going on in our culture, in our society, and uh, deal with what does the Bible say about racism? What, what does the Bible say about, uh, you know, the, the transgenderism? What, what does the, you know, uh, many of the woke ideas that are out there uh, will try to uh, deal with those in a, in a biblical fashion and uh, hopefully that it can be uh, used in a way to equip everyone in dealing with the society and what's going on right now. Uh, I just pray that it can be a help. Uh, for all of you. So uh, it really woke me up when just a week or so ago I uh, had a parent of a, of a seven-year-old that um, was uh, asking some of those kinds of questions. And um, you know they're hearing it somewhere. And so we, uh, I just, it just, um, woke me up that we, we need to be able to equip the parents and help them with what the Bible says and how to deal with some of that. So that's what we're going to do. So I'm excited about that <clears throat> and uh, looking forward to that. And uh, we will, you know, hopefully by Sunday, I'll have several outlines started where I can give you some ideas of some of the things that we're going to look at. And there may be more that come as we go too. So but tonight we're in Psalm 1, a very instructive psalm. This is one that shows us how to live. And I have preached this one several times throughout the years, but it is a powerful six verses that help us to understand what God wants in our lives and how he wants us to live and how the right decisions in our lives can bring true happiness and uh, a peace in our lives that we don't have otherwise. And so let's just look at this. And, and we're going to see in verses 1 through 3, we'll see the godly choices of a godly man. And let's look at this in, in verse 1 and uh, 1 through 3. And <clears throat> then we'll look at that and then we'll go on 4, 5, and 6. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so, first of all, I believe that we need to understand that godly decisions, and when we make the decision to live a godly life, then we'll find that uh, godly choices bring happiness. He starts it off with the word blessed. That word blessed in the Hebrew means happy. That that uh, um, people are always searching for happiness. And I remember uh, 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 in a counseling session one time, uh, a little girl just made the statement. She said, I just want to be happy today. And I believe that there are times where we can think that in our own lives, we want to be happy. Well, if we are truly going to be happy in a biblical sense and, and truly be at peace with things, then we need to follow what God's Word tells us. And uh, it's a very expressive meaning here when he sa uses the word uh, blessed. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's almost here, as we see it in all capital word letters as it is, it's an, it's an acclamation of, 
Oh, the blessedness. Oh, the happiness. And, and wanting people to understand how uh, joyful he is. And, and an emotion which in this case has come from a reflection of the subject that uh, has, is uh, going to be mentioned. It tells us, the psalmist also writes in Psalm 37, verses 23 through 28, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil, and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment, and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. And so here, blessed is the man, and uh, then we're going to see here in this verse also that godly choices result in separation. If we're going to be happy and blessed by God, then there are certain boundaries that we have, that we ought to have. God has put them up. And, and we need to understand that there are boundaries. And, and here he tells us, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. I believe there is a progression here. Pastor Wes and I were talking about this, and uh, it, it sure makes sense to us that, that you look at this and there's a progression. First of all, he's, he's walking in the council. He's not walking in the council of the ungodly, so referring that there are some that are walking in the council of the ungodly. Then next thing you see, he's standing in the way of the sinners. And then thirdly, by that time, now he's sitting in the seat of the scornful. And I do believe that there is a progression, and I think we need to be careful with this and understand that uh, it doesn't matter whether, whether you're a grown adult or whether you're a teenager in high school, that you need to be careful of the companions that you keep. And, and here, knowing that, that uh, it's not going to, to result in what you want by walking uh, in the counsel of the ungodly. So do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And... Uh, it's a past tense, and, and showing here that happy is the man, blessed is a man that walketh not, that, that isn't walking, that hasn't been walking now for some time in the counsel of the ungodly. And so he is conducting his life, and that word walketh, that uh, E-T-H ending, is telling us that this is something that is continuing on and on and on, and, and so uh, nothing is changing here, and his conduct of life and living in a matter, uh, manner and uh, habitual conduct that is going on, and it is not in the counsel of the ungodly. It's not after the manner of the ungodly. When you think about the word ungodly, it's different than the word that he uses for sinners. The word ungodly has the, the idea of those who are wicked, those who are criminal, and they're, they're wicked in the eyes of God. They're, they're criminal in the activities that they are doing. Psalm 5, just over a couple pages here to verse 5, the foolish shall not stand in thy sight, verse 5, so Psalm 5, 5, the foolish shall not stand in thy sight, thou hatest all workers of iniquity. And so here that uh, we, we need to understand that, that God is not pleased with those who are ungodly. And the choices of a godly man are made by the word of God. And we're, and not by the devices or counsel of the wicked. And 
we as godly people, we can look, we need to be out in the world and you need to build relationships with those people that are unsaved. And, and I do understand that, but there, there's a difference by being an acquaintance and being partnered up with someone. I, I do not see in the scripture that, that it is wise to be a, a believer partnered up with an unbeliever. And so we need to be careful of that. And even in business, whenever we become adults, I think you need to be careful of uh, starting a business and you're saved and the other person is unsaved. I don't see in the Bible where you ought to be doing that. Matter of fact, where, how, how can two people walk together except they be agreed, Amos 3.3. 3. And so uh, we need to be careful with those things and, and because what you find is that uh, as, as you are walking in the counsel of the ungodly, then you're going to start making ungodly decisions. And so be careful with that. And not only that, but nor standeth in the way of sinners. And so to take one's stand, to, to present oneself. And so now here you are, you're, you're walking with those that, that are, are sinners, that, that are trespassers, that, that uh, and I wrote this as a definition for myself, those who willingly violate God's laws. Look, we all, we all know people like that, and, and we can be kind and considerate to them, but be careful how much company you keep with them. And, and here, showing that they are presenting themselves in the way of sinners. And so let's be careful. Psalm 17, verses 4 and 5. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Hold up my goings in thy paths, that my footprints, or my footsteps, slip not. Psalm 119, verses 14 through 16. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts, and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. If we're going to take a stand, let's stand with the Word of God. Let, let's stand with other believers. I, I mean, we, we all ought to do that. We ought to, we, we ought to be encouraging those who are believers and standing with them. You guys at school, you need to stand with each other. You, you guys are, are truly privileged and blessed to have a youth group. I, I never had one of those. And, and you guys ought to really, truly rejoice in that where you ought to be able to go to each other and, and draw encouragement and and, you know, with all of the, the temptations that are there and all of the, uh, those around you that are questioning and, and mocking and scoffing at those things, you can go to each other and you ought to be encouraged by each other. Make sure that you're that type of a person that is encouraging other believers and, and stand together. That's what it's talking about. The, the godly, is he's not standing in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You think about this, and it does seem to be a progression. You're, you, you start walking and listening to the counsel of the ungodly, and you start hearing what they're saying, and then pretty soon you start questioning some of the things that your mom and dad are telling you, or, or you start questioning some of the, the rules that, that uh, they set down for you, or, or you're an adult, and, and you start questioning the, the authority of God's Word in your life, and, and look, you know, I, I just heard, and this really bothers me, but I just heard this week of a, a, a man that, that taught an ambassador who, who is probably 
I don't know, he's, he's 20 years my senior, and I heard now he's not walking with the Lord the way he should. I mean, so don't think that just because you get older that you're, you're safe from this. You better stay in the Word of God, and, and you better stay obedient to the Word of God, and you better be willing to submit to the authority of the Word of God, or I don't care who we are, Satan is a lot uh, slicker than we are and, and can really get your attitude headed in the wrong direction. And so you start taking lessons from the counsel of the ungodly and listening to them, and then pretty soon, instead of standing with believers, you're offended by them and you're mad at them, or you're looking at excuses why, why you can be mad at them, and, and you withdraw from the, the church family, and, and you're walking on your own, and you, you're wanting to blame them for your disobedience and, and your arrogant walk, and, and then next thing you know, you're sitting down and having dinner with the scornful. And, and the scornful is a, is a horrible attitude that, that is mocking and treating religion with contempt. And I'm not talking about traditional religion. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus. And we better guard against that because it's real easy to get there. You know how careful. And you will never, ever be happy allowing that to infiltrate into your life. And so we all remember the story of, of, of uh, Lot, and we know what went on in Lot's life, and, and it tells us that in Second Peter chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, this is about verse 7 probably, it says, And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with her unlawful deeds. There, there's no way Lot was a happy man. There, there was no way that, that living in your sin and, and living in that attitude is going to bring happiness. And can I tell you, I see it over and over and over. I, John and I were talking Sunday night, and we were reminiscing on on those in our church family that have gone to heaven. And boy, we have a bunch that have gone to heaven and look forward to, to a great reunion one of these days. But can, can I tell you, I can probably write a list twice as many of those that have died and gone to heaven, twice as many that ha have gotten turned sideways over things and, and that are out here in the community doing absolutely nothing now. I mean, it's devastating, to, and, and that, I can tell you, is a hard thing about being in a community for almost 27 years. You, you see a lot of that, you know, and you, and you see all of the water under the bridge, and you, you see those people, and you think, you know, where, where would you be if you'd have just, you know, uh, loved like you should and obey like you should? And I'm, I'm, look, I'm not saying that I'm perfect in all of that at all. I'm not, and, but I can tell you that that love covers a multitude of sins and we need to learn to love each other and and we need to learn to love the word of god like he tells us and love him like we should and and you'll find that that god can uh protect you from the counsel and and uh of the ungodly and so <clears throat> that's our first lesson that we have the godly man is going to keep himself from from the <clears throat> the devices and the attitudes of the world Verse 2, how does he do that? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Whether you 
whether you understand this or not, the, the reading of God's word ought to be as important to you as breathing every day. It really should. You, you ought to make certain, and, and I don't care how young you are, and I don't care how old you are. You, everybody in between. We need, to, we need to spend time in God's word every day and for some period of time and, and making sure that, that you're not just doing something to, to mark it off your checklist, but you are actually reading it and, and looking to God to say something to you that you can use that day. And, 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 and it, it ought to be as important to you that you don't miss that anymore uh, you don't miss your reading any more than you miss your breathing. And make sure that you can answer the text later. You can answer a phone call later. You, you can do all those other things later. Make sure that God has a priority in your life. And uh, you know what I find? The more time you spend in it, the, the more delight you'll get, get out of it. And God will work in your heart. And, and I know you guys have jobs and you have things that you have to do. I understand that. But I'm telling you, you better cut some time out and give it to God every day. And as you spend time, he'll, he will uh, stir in your heart and give you a delight in his word. And yes, I know there are times where you're going to have to wade through it. You're, you're dealing with high stress in your life or something drastic is going on in your life. I understand that. But those days you wade through it and you still stay in it and you keep doing and keep reading and allowing God to work in your heart through the reading of his word and and you will, you will delight in that, and, and your interest in the law of the Lord will continue to grow. And in the law doth he meditate day and night. And as you read it, don't just read it and then forget it. Think about what you read and, and meditate on it during the day. Meditate and ask God to use that in your life, and, and you will find that, that God can use that in, in how we need to continue to uh, think about and imagine what God's Word says and how we ought to be using it in our lives. And when you do that, you'll be as a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You know, I, I you, you think of that, and you think about those healthy trees, and I grew up in Missouri, so there we have, we, we have hardwoods, and Hardwoods just they they last longer, you know, than than the softwoods, the cottonwoods, and some of those. I mean, they're some of those trees are pretty old, but they're they're not near as old and don't compare to some of those oak trees that we uh, have back there. There there was an oak tree in on this little farm where I used to hunt a lot, big, huge oak tree. It would take probably three of me to go around it and. Um, I, I never dug around in it, but there's other guys that dug around in there, and they found musket balls in that tree where back in the uh, 1800s they would shoot that tree, and, and that's where they practiced. And, and some of those trees, I mean, they're, they're there by a water source, and those roots in that, that tree are huge. I, I remember helping take a tree out in North Carolina, a huge oak tree like that, and, and we had a we had a bulldozer and we had a front end loader and uh, Dave was running the bulldozer. I was running that front end loader and and he just kept cutting around the the root ball of that that huge oak tree and and digging around it with the bulldozer and I'd pull the dirt out and digging around and 
I, I mean, I don't know how deep we were. We were probably 10 or 12 feet deep, and, and this huge root ball that was the size of a house was under there, and, and finally we were able to push that old tree all the way over. But um, it, it took all kinds of digging to, to get that out. And, and here he says that, that when, when you are following the word of God and you are applying it to your life, you're meditating on the truth of his word, then your roots will go deep. And whenever you're challenged, whenever somebody is scoffing, whenever somebody is questioning, whenever you start going through a major trial in your life, then God can, can show that your faith is rooted and grounded in the truth of his word. And, and there's a progression here. You're planted by the water, and, and you're not going to wither, and you're going to be productive. And there will be fruit that comes from that. And it will be fruit that's eternal fruit. And other people will see that in your life. And you shall prosper and, and advance and thrive. But let's go ahead, and in uh, time's sake, I need to, to hurry up a little bit. I want to get out of here and, and at a decent time. But the ungodly man and his choices. The ungodly are not so. Matter of fact, they're just the opposite. They're going to be busy in their life, and they're going to focus on themselves, and they're going to do their thing, and God isn't going to be included in their thoughts and their actions and their lives. The Word of God is not important to them, a prayer life, and meditation on God's Word is nothing, and they're, they're going to take the counsel of people that do not know God, and they're going to walk with them, and they're going to stand with them, and they're going to sit with them, as it says, and, and it says here that, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. You know, back in the day, they would, uh, a lot of times they would take that wheat and they'd cut the wheat off of the stalks and, and they'd have a, like a big tarp or a hide probably back in that time and they'd hang that hide and they'd, and they'd on a windy day and they would go out there with that wheat and they'd grab it in a bundle and they'd go over there and they'd beat on that, that hide and, and it'd knock all the seeds off and they'd fall down and all the, the chaff, all the dust and all the other particles would blow away. And then all they'd have there is the, is the seed. And, and here he said that they're just going to be like the chaff that the wind drives away. And so we, we see that the, the ungodly without any kind of root, no fruit, and devoid of vigor and, and uh, freshness of life, they'll have none of that. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. You know, that's interesting to me. I was given thought to that. Different judgment for the ungodly than for the believer. And, and it seems here that I would think that, that whenever we go in, into the Bema seat of Christ, that would be for all of the believers, that I, I would think that, that we would be down on our knees and, and thanking God for his mercies, but it almost, I, I don't know, maybe we will just because we will come in and do it out of love and respect and worship for God or or maybe not. Maybe we'll be standing there and, and we'll be standing next to the Savior who has saved us. And I'm not sure how that's all going to go. But can I tell you that the ungodly, when they come in front of the great white throne judgment, that, that we know for a fact that every one of them that have lived their lives shaking their fist at God and living their lives without God and living their lives with no remorse and in just 
being selfish and narcissistic and all of their ideas and, and thinking only of themselves and never including God and thinking that when they're going to go in front of God, they're going to shake their fist at God one more time. No, they will not. They're not going to stand in the judgment. They're going to every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Now, I was thinking about that too. When somebody denies Christ their whole life, then God for all eternity will give them exactly what they want. No God. There will be no presence of God, and they will be alone forever in a fire that's never quenched with worms that will gnaw on their bones for all eternity is what God's Word says. You want that? I don't think so. I don't want that for anyone. I don't definitely don't want that for my friends. I don't want that for my family. I want to tell people about Christ, let them know that, that Jesus is the answer. Oh, how we need to be driven and compelled to tell people about Jesus. And because one day... They will, for an eternity, be alone. However, just the opposite for believers. That reunion, it will be a great reunion. I mean, we will go and we're going to see our Lord and Savior. We're, we, we are going to see those, the great cloud of witnesses of those that came before us that, that live for God. We're going to see our loved ones that uh, have passed before us and uh, had trusted Christ, and they're all there in heaven, and it's going to be a great company and a great assembly uh, of the righteous. Just the opposite. And then the last verse, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. That word know has the idea that not only does he know it, but he regards it, and he's paying attention, and, and he's watching. He's noticing what we're doing he's watching every day all of us as believers he knows what's going on in our lives he, he knows the hurts that we have he knows the anxiety that you might have he he knows the insecurities that you may have he he knows the anger that keeps trying to well up in your life or whatever i mean all of the decision making in your life and he knows all of that he knoweth the way of the righteous and he regards it, and he's there. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. You know, I, I looked that up, and you know another word for that word perish? Exterminated. I, I thought, wow, that's kind of rough. But the way of the, the, the way of the ungodly shall be exterminated. It'll perish forever gone and destroyed. And in other passages, it says that there won't even be a memorial of them. Oh, they're going to work their whole lives and try to do something that will make everybody remember them for years and years and years, and God says he'll wipe away all the memorial of them too. And so, and, and I believe that when we get to heaven, we'll understand more of what he's saying about that. So what do we do? It, it, really, the, the Bible is black and white. I mean, it's God's way or it's your way. That's it. And, and if it's your way, it's the ungodly way. 
Godly way, ungodly. Which do we want to do? Well, if we're going to be blessed and we're going to be happy, let's do it God's way. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray your blessings upon it. I pray you stir in our lives and use us, Lord, to be a witness and a testimony for you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.